And now, let's take a ride on the People Mover. Welcome. This is Jeff Kober with a special Disney at Work and Play podcast. This week, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority People Mover reopens. Disney fans rejoiced as they waited in what appeared to be long lines to experience the People Mover. This is an attraction embraced by so many. Why? What is the appeal of the People Mover? We look at the attraction at reopening, experience it firsthand, and then seek to understand why the People Mover matters. There is an emotional connection many have to this attraction. We want to explore that connection, what it means, what it means now, and how it applies to you. Make sure that you also check out our Disney at play or.com or disneyatwork.com websites as there will be uh, video and uh, images and links associated with this podcast that you may want to, to check out. You may also want to subscribe to those podcasts so you're notified when we have uh, future podcasts uh, and future posts available. And be sure to always apply to... Um, uh, make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast carrier for this podcast. If you listen to this podcast, you know that since the reopening of Walt Disney World last July, I have mentioned my disappointment in this attraction not reopening. I've also explained why I thought this to be the case. A reduced percentage of guests in the park, lack of budget, the lack of people who can maintain and operate this attraction are just a few of the reasons I have shared. A day or two prior to reopening, an image was posted on Instagram by Jeff Alley, head of the Walt Disney World Resort. It showed him, along with three other individuals, all men who were trying to get the people mover up and running. Some looked like they were part of operations, some a part of the technology or IT systems team. Um, Jeff is showing that technical and operations folks are doing what is needed to get the people mover up and running. And this, when it was posted on Instagram, got many fans excited and ready to come visit the parks. Many were lined up in the first days after the people mover in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom reopened. I gathered a particular photo of guests as shown in my, in my post, not only wearing p two different kinds of People Mover t-shirts, but a little People Mover on his shoulder with a little Remy inside of it. They best represented the enthusiasm people had for waiting in a long line. I was so impressed. The fans are a big component of who is in this attraction queue is probably due to the fact that only a fan would wait in line with the stated wait time of 40-45 minutes for an attraction that simply takes you on an 11-minute tour of Tomorrowland. It's 
a pretty, it's, this is no thrill ride. In fact, it was actually about the same wait time over at Rock and Roller Coaster at Disney's Hollywood Studios that day. In truth, the wait was only about 25 minutes and the queue moved quite quickly. But just the visual of the size of the line of people all standing out in the sun was not an invitation to the less, than, less informed that you should go and see what's at the end of that queue. Still, none of that stopped the Disney faithful. They knew that the ride was more than just a ride. It represented something else. Let's see what it looks like as you ride it. The following is a narrative of my experience, but you can also go to disneyatwork.com and disneyatplay.com and actually see the entire video of the attraction just as it is without my narrative. So you can feel like you're on the people mover if you're not nearby. Either way, enjoy. Let's ride the people mover. So we're entering into Tomorrowland. This is the uh, sleek, very bleached, similar to 1971 look and we immediately see as we cross over the bridge the people mover cars in fact notice well actually that car set of cars that train is completely empty and i see two or three entire trains that are empty as i'm coming toward the entrance of this attraction now the queue is spread out it's not the the organization is not used to a long queue for the people mover. It always operated on a very short queue. There was never any, a plan uh, a plan for a long queue. It's only been in the last couple of years, even pre previous to COVID, but not only in the last couple of years that this queue has become so long and so lengthened out that you see it as you see it today. I um, get onto the moving ramp to head up to the top tier. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, it's been down because of the moving ramp. The moving ramp isn't working. And that's, they see the moving ramp not working, but they don't understand is that operations often turns this ramp on and off because they want to, to not have guests end up getting to the top of the ramp and there's no room for them to move when they get to the top of the ramp. Even more important during this COVID period. In fact, so important that as we get to the top of the ramp, we see immediately a cast member dedicated to monitoring that um, right there, as well as monitoring the attraction. We are eyes uh, set upon the people mover vehicles themselves, and immediately I see a red cone in the last of the cars of this set, uh, of this train. And that is a very disappointing piece of news for me because it says to me that they have not completely remedied all of the vehicles and prior to closing there were a lot of individual ride vehicles that were closed off because there was some problem now that said i noticed the vehicle i was in boy the vehicle looked fresh clean there was no chip paint it looked like even perhaps the upholstery had been remodeled this looked fresh and clean and ready to go. So again, I only had the experience of being on the one train I visited, but I was impressed by the quality of the experience. We head out on the people mover and on our journey. And of course, this is where 
we get such a great vista up to Marlin. By the way, one of the great inspired things about the People Mover is, and they thought this through even before opening day, because they planned it with um, some of the show buildings that were uh, available on opening day, is they created a People Mover with a roof that would completely cover it. So important. In Disneyland, each individual People Mover car had a roof over it, although there were problems sometimes with that roof um, opening and closing or retracting so to allow guests in and out of the vehicle maybe that was part of why they created this open design for the train but then created a roof over it notwithstanding it's a smart look and uh, it, it looks smart it looks cleaner and it also keeps um, the train running during um, torrential rains which we get from lightning and so forth during the summer months from here we are heading uh, around the bend of Cinderella uh, Castle. We see that in the distance as it's being prepped for the 50th anniversary. And we head into a view of Progress City. This uh, Progress City model is only a portion of the original Progress City model. I remember seeing it as a small child, probably in 66, um, or I'm sorry, 67. Uh, um, but I remember seeing the entire layout. It was very large at the time. You'll notice there are small people mover vehicles. In fact, those were, I noticed, lit up. Um, and that was very cool. On the right side, as you pass through, you see uh, remnants of what was the, um, the uh, Buck Rogers style uh, overlay that was put in in the in around 1994. We re-emerge out and we have a perfect view of the Tomorrowland Speedway. You'll notice the colors have been changed on railings and walls. A lot of teal use of um, lighter pastel colors to match up with the complete uh, white bleached look through Tomorrowland. And then we get a great view of the uh, Tron coaster. Uh, most, well, actually at this time I'm looking at it and you can see that all of the support beams have been taken away from the canopy. There's still a need to put in the railroad that will go right through uh, this area. Um, but boy, it is an impressive look. The only thing is that there's no uh, work being done on it right now. So that is a very disappointing sign, one that I'll allude to a little later um, as we go through. We're heading into the pitch black of Space Mountain, and this is just really a highlight for a lot of guests who are visiting this attraction because you get to see Space Mountain operating. I love the... Uh, retro now looking astronauts upside down uh, working on the spaceship and uh, it's just a very cool dynamic you see um, you see uh, it's the sign saying starport um, and uh, we kind of move into and by the way you can also look down and see the exit show to what um, originally was created for RCA when it was the sponsor of Space Mountain and then it became FedEx. It hasn't changed uh, much since then, um, but it's a very cool exit show. In fact, actually, you can actually go through the, the, um, the queue 
the FastPass queue just to go through the exit and see that post show. Also, you should know that this section is very dark because they covered over the um, open queues that were on both sides for both um, coasters. And that has created a darker feeling. It should allow you to see an unfortunate, well, what I was going to say is it has ended up blocking much of the view of the coasters spinning around at night. You still get that toward the end before you exit the mountain. Um, and of course, it's very cool when you can see uh, the lights on in this attraction. Um, so at any rate, there's a lot to see and do in uh, Space Mountain that makes this a, a little bit of a highlight for guests as they come through. We're now exiting um, Space Mountain. By the way, this is where uh, people mover cars can be kept is there's an additional rail on the outside of Space Mountain where um, it's inside Space Mountain, but it's, it's, it's kind of a half circle around the backside of Space Mountain for um, maintaining and connecting vehicles. We pass by the um, uh, uh, what was the arcade um, and is now kind of a gift shop and we head past um, the speedway again and we head back into uh, the Tomorrowland area. We're going to uh, pass by Space Mountain on the one side and get a really great glimpse of the exterior of the mountain from it. We'll see the Astro Orbiter and, and the, our narrator will, will allude to uh, the Astro Orbiter as we pass by. So great views on both sides and this is these are wonderful views at nighttime. Really, Tomorrowland looks terrific at night. For all of my concerns about how bleached Tomorrowland looks during the day, especially in the heat of the summer, I have to say this place is beautiful at night when you have a chance to go through it. We go past the entertainment stage, a little disappointing that they staged it there because it just ends up being a wall to guess. They could have done something more of that to make it part of it. Also on the left you still can see, despite the tall trees, glimpses of the contemporary resort which extended the whole futuristic look of Tomorrowland when it opened in 1971. You also see on a stage nearby that entertainment stage, Buzz Lightyear is just simply performing uh, to guests or waving to guests from a distance so they can grab photos in a socially distant manner. And that's ironic because as we pass by the Carousel of Progress, we pass by his usual traditional um, stage where he's at for meet and greets. Um, but he's gone to the main stage largely because that area is being used a lot for queuing for Carousel Progress. Kind of keep guests socially distanced there. Now we entered the, the last of the show buildings. And again, back to the 94 we do, we get this crazy uh, hair parlor scene uh, where the hair is being done on the, on the woman. And then we pass into Buzz Lightyear. And this is unfortunate because some of uh, the the show building for Buzz Lightyear has blocked the view. It used to be uh, that you'd have a clear view when you went to through it. And then also more disappointing is you go through the latter portion of this show building. It's just completely black. There's little visual. It used to be, or I believe it was the case, you used to be able to look down into, um, into the queue for what was originally the Circle Vision film. 
I know that that was uh, what you saw in Disneyland, as you were able to look down into that queue area. And now we're coming back out along the main promenade and coming up right back up past Monster's Lap Floor, past Buzz Lightyear, and toward um, the exit of the attraction. Uh, I speak a lot of the bleaching of Tomorrowland. I just think the whiteness, they wanted to come back to that look that they had in 1971. And frankly, the design, architecture, it looks good on a great, wonderful, beautiful day. But when it's too hot, too sunny, too humid, um, it just becomes this glare that is just making the entire uh, area of the park a little too warm. But anyway, we're heading back <clears throat> to the unloading platform here at, uh, at the People Mover. And um, yeah, we'll head back down the ramp. There were some empty trains. I probably actually saw about four or five of those trains all empty. And most trains only had two of the five compartments filled. Now, I understand with COVID it would make sense to separate out guests. I'm fine with that, even though it's outdoors. Again, they fill every seat at, at Big Thunder Mountain. Are we thinking that maybe because the train moves much faster at Big Thunder Mountain, that it's, that it's okay to put people in every seat there, but not at the people mover? I was confused. And at times, there were trains I only saw at one party. And then there were other times I saw trains. I just, I couldn't help but think, couldn't you possibly put three people in trains instead of spaces? One in the first, one in the third, one in the fifth. I understand that when the trains are in station, those trains are close to each other and hence the vehicles, but they separate pretty quickly. I, I was very confused by that. And frankly, I asked a cast member, why are some of these trains empty? Well, the red cones are probably the um, probably the reason why. There probably are still cars in these trains that are not uh, suitable for guests to ride in. Um, and that's surprising because the train I was actually in looked clean. It looked well painted. It looked like the upholstery had been redone. So I was quite impressed with what I was in. Not sure what was keeping a train from having a red cone. By the way, I'm not a fan of the red cones, as you'll see in a few minutes when I talk about why this all matters. Red cone is very, um, is a very visual symbol to a cast member who needs to move quickly, but it's also um, a very interruptive uh, message to guess, and it, it, it just looks, it, it does not look show-worthy of... Tomorrowland or of the Magic Kingdom. But at any rate, all of that, of course, when you're only loading to, and maybe it almost seemed to me because there was um, a cast member manager who came uh, about uh, a, a little later, right after I had gone up to the platform. I wondered if she hadn't decided to move it to three per, um, per train of five cars because it did seem to pick up a little after that i know that the line kept getting longer and longer and longer and this was midday around uh, around well two just after two o'clock i had come in um from the studios beforehand and come into the park 
um, and after two and it was very busy and there were long lines. And like I had said before, this attraction was not designed to have long queues in advance of it. It has only been in the last couple of years that maintenance has not kept this attraction up and going at the, at the level it has. And consequently, a lot of trains have not been filled completely. And as a result, the line has gotten further and further back. This attraction has the theoretical hourly ride capacity higher than probably just about any other attraction in Walt Disney World. You think about the number of people. You can put four to six people, depending on how many children you have, per car. And each of those cars line up into a train of five. I mean, that's 30 people in one train loaded within just a couple of minutes, followed by the next train, followed by the next train. This is a great way to um, absorb people during high intensities. And, and, so, and so it's never required a long queue, but in the last couple of years, it has been there. I've complained about that previously. Um, I'd like to think those days are over, but I'm not so certain. Um, not based on what I could see. It's still puzzling. We'll have to wait and see more. Now, all of this conversation about this, why does this even matter? Um, why does the people mover matter? The people mover is popular. And so it's fortunate that it can handle so many people each hour, at least when it's operating and operating correctly. But why is it popular? It's popular because of its appeal to so many people. Now, every person is individual and every person is their unique person. But there's been some work done by individuals uh, several decades ago that shows that people tend toward four particular styles. And if you've ever had Myers-Briggs or Strength Finder and other kinds of personality tests, know that many of these stem from this work that was done many years ago, in which you kind of looked at whether a person was task or people focused, or whether one was exp um, uh, was more uh, inquiry in nature or more um, kind of um, emo uh, not emotive, but but expressive or, or well shared themselves. Anyway, it all comes up to four styles. And in my and in the uh, show notes in the DisneyAtWork.com and DisneyAtPlay.com, I show this grid. And what it does is it shows that people tend to tend toward one of four areas. The first is analytical. These people are left brain. They're very logical. They're very thorough. They're very systematic. They want to see things laid out before they jump to any conclusion. These people are analytical. The next group are drivers. They want to make it happen. Let's get it done. Let's move it out. I don't want to waste time. These people especially do not want to waste time in lines at Disney. They are drivers. Then you have the expressives. These are passionate, storytelling, enthusiastic, spontaneous people who love to, to share their enthusiasm, who gets a vision of what, what could be, and they're, they're very emotive in their expression, and that emotive could be very positive, but sometimes it's very critical. It's very, I'm gonna tell you like it is. And then you have folks who are amiable. These people are about people. Just they, they love to be with others. They love to talk to others and so forth. 
Now, why am I going through these four styles? Because if you really dissect the people mover, it appeals to all four of these different audiences. For example, analytical. For people who are left brain, the people mover offers stimulus, even science and thought about a wide variety of issues. Could this be a transportation solution of tomorrow? How does this run? You say it runs on magnet, uh, magnets. What happens when it stops running? Are there brakes on this thing? There aren't brakes, so how does it stop? You know, there is just a lot of very cool aspects of this particular ride. Add to it the opportunity to see things like Progress City or uh, the, the, the coasters taking off at Space Mountain or soon to be at Tron. Your mind is just left going, how do they do that? And analyticals love to be in the question. Foremost is the technology of the ride and how it works. They love studying those things. That's analytical. The next are drivers. As I said, drivers don't want to wait. And generally over the years, the people mover was the attraction you rode on in Tomorrowland when you didn't want to wait in line. Check out all the lines. Oh, it's long. Why don't we just go on the people mover? That's what drivers and anybody would say, actually. But you were, but you know, maybe you're waiting for a fast pass time. Well, we got another 15 minutes before we can go on Buzz Lightyear. Let's go on the people mover. And you could just get on it within about five minutes, maybe seven on a, on a long day. And you would just, it would go. You'd go and do the 11 minute ride and then come back and do something else. So to the driver, the people mover symbolized efficiency and progress. Then you have the amiables. The amiables, this is the ultimate car talk experience. You know, amiables are the ones who talk a lot when you're riding around in the car. And, and now, if you don't have to pay attention to driving, it's even better. Notice that the cars are designed with the seats facing each other. They facilitate conversation. Amiables love the idea that you could sit and chat all the while being on a ride. By the way, amiables also kind of like the queue having to wait in line because they like the opportunity to just sit and chat with people while they're just waiting. And they are very good at doing that while they're in line. And that's just an amiable. That's why Disney often makes, besides for um, guests with this uh, mobility issues, Disney will often make those queues wider so you're not single line, but rather you can kind of be side by side and chatting with each other. Amiables do all that. Then you have the expressive. To the expressive, the people mover is sleek and represents the future and all of its possibilities. An expressive can easily buy into the symbolism of what it means. And in fact, <laughs> that's where I am. Above all, and I mind you, as an individual who is a leader, who has his own business, I can wear any of these hats, and many people do wear these hats. But the place I love to go is being an expressive. I get up in front of audiences, and I share stories and ideas and models and thoughts and, and invite them to think about how they can change your organization, take it to the next level. That's what I do. It's what expresses do, and I love it. But you know what? As an expressive, I'm not alone. Walt Disney was an expressive. In a Midwestern kind of sly style, 
he his artists frequently commented on how spellbound they were. In fact, the original story told of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is that they 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 were all given a little bit of money to go out for dinner um, that day and get a bite to eat, and then they came back in. This is the old Hyperion Studio days, and they all gathered around, and Walt Disney shared the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and they said he even acted out the w Wicked Witch with her cackle and each of the Seven Dwarfs. He had it down, and they were mesmerized by how he just brought them in. He was so capable of gathering a team of people and getting them on board to a vision of painting the possibilities of what could be. And that's what, that's what expresses do. Expresses are visionaries. Expresses are storytellers. Walt was a visionary. Walt was a storyteller. Expresses generate enthusiasm. Walt generated enthusiasm. By the way, expresses can also be critical when things aren't right. Both Walt and I can be in that category. And, you know, his infamous um, eyebrows, you know, one was bad news, two was really bad news. But there was a moment where Walt just did not accept when things weren't right. And you know what? He didn't usually crit. He wasn't about hurting or criticizing a person as much as he was just focused on what the possibilities of that film or attraction could be. And he was just so in the moment of what excellence looked like. So, yeah, expresses can be in that place too. But frankly, we prefer to be in the place of optimism. And oh, the people mover brings that opportunity to light. Well, to an expressive, the people mover can symbolize two things right now. The first is the end of COVID. When Walt Disney World reopened, I made the Magic Kingdom the first place I covered. I took an entire day from park opening to park closing, uh, which I don't usually do, but I wanted to see how this operation still looked. I wanted to see if the magic was still there. And I remember many things of the experience, but two things came to mind. The first was of all the attractions not open, I was most surprised that the people mover wasn't. After all, the attraction seemed to uh, seemed like one that would be easy to make COVID free. <laughs> you know, it, it's outside, you can space them apart, you can take on a lot of people. Why would you not open the people mover? And so I was really stuck on this much of the day in the back of my mind thinking, why didn't they open the people mover? Why didn't they open the people mover? The second was not writing the Carousel Progress. I placed it to be the last on my list and I rode on all the attractions that were available in that park that day. But as I came toward the, the Carousel Progress in the last few minutes of the day, I came to realize that they had closed the attraction an hour earlier than the stated closing time of the park. Not considering that that would be a possibility, it became the only operating attraction I didn't experience on that day. As an expressive, both of these attractions symbolized everything that was great about 
Tomorrowland. And yet, I didn't enjoy either. I since have been on the Carousel of Progress several times. That attraction has its challenges, and while I won't go into those today, they too symbolize what I think both of these attractions are all about. And that second symbol is the future, and with it, hope. And when Walt Disney World reopened, we needed heavy doses of hope. I think we still do. By the way, if there's a third symbol to the end of COVID in Tomorrowland, it would be the building of the Tron Light Cycle Power Run. The fact that progress is slowed down on this attraction does not provide the right symbols to an expressive like myself. I'd like to see that attraction finish, especially as the Magic Kingdom comes to its 50th anniversary. It needs to be a part at some point. Well, I said that the people mover symbolized the end of COVID. But more importantly, and largely, the people mover symbolizes the future. Just like this attraction symbolizes the end of COVID, it also paints a picture of the future. There are a few phrases in Imagineer, that Imagineers and others use to describe Tomorrowland as it relates to the future. The first of these expressions is a world on the move. When Imagineers talk about what works in Tomorrowland, frequently it's a reference to the kinetic energy of the park. Many reference the 1967 Tomorrowland at Disneyland. This was the time and place where you could see a submarine on the move, a Topia cars meandering about, a monorail whisking by, a people mover on the move, rocket jets twirling about, and a skyway soaring above it all. That movement, that kinetic energy, just brought its own feeling of possibilities and what it could all be about. It, it invited you to be a part. People want to be part of a kinetic energy of a world on the move. Another expression frequently used is we keep moving forward. This phrase by Walt Disney best encapsulates what the vision for Tomorrowland should be. Quote, we keep moving forward, opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps us, keeps leading us down new paths. End of quote. Oh. Everything in Tomorrowland should be moving us forward. In fact, the people mover, always moving forward, does just that. It's a reassuring reminder that we should keep moving forward. Even the experience of passing by Progress City reminds us that while we love the original idea of Epcot, it's really important to move forward and now stay in the past and not stay in the past. In fact, that's what's exciting about Epcot right now. It too is moving forward. Then later on, we move to Space Mountain or past Tron and we see possibilities of space and inner space. These are incredible opportunities to think about moving forward and what it all means. And people gravitate to that. People want to, to see the possibilities of the future. The third expression beyond a world on the move, 
and we keep moving forward is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow it's actually stated in the narrative as you walk as you as you um, sail by the carousel of progress this sherman brothers song encapsulates uh, optimism why a future without optimism the words give you permission to consider the possibilities of a bright and hopeful future. I think that's perhaps why you seem to hear a younger voice or a younger person as the narrator of the people mover. It's about, here's the future. Here's the possibility. To that end, I want to share... Uh, I think uh, something that really encapsulates this idea. And it's important because we don't live in a world that really gravitates toward that great big beautiful tomorrow. We live in a world that sounds more apocalyptic in a world that sounds more like the day of the living dead and, and things of this nature. And we need to think about things that are positive. To this, I have to gravitate back to uh, the final scenes, some of the final scenes from Saving Mr. Banks. You'll recall she became upset with the cartoon penguin, felt like Walt did not get the message of her story and headed back to London. In truth, uh, he didn't follow her back to London, but notwithstanding, this conversation really shares what is going on here. And and if Walt first talks about the long winters of selling newspapers and working for his father in Kansas City. And then the film, after he shares his memory, says these things. Now, I don't tell you to make you sad, Mrs. Travers. I don't. I, I love my life. I think it's a miracle. And I love my dad. He was a wonderful man. But rare is the day where I don't think of that eight-year-old boy delivering newspapers in the snow, and old Elias with that strap in his fist. And I am just so tired, Mrs. Travers. I'm tired of remembering it that way. Aren't you tired too, Mrs. Travers? Now we all have our sad tales, but don't you want to finish the story? Let her all go and have a life that isn't dictated by the past. It's not the children she, Mary Poppins, comes to save. It's their father. It's your father, Travers Goff. That's what it's all about. Everything. Forgiveness. This is Travers. It's what I learned from your books. Life is a harsh sentence to lay down for yourself. Give her to me, Mrs. Travers. Trust me with your precious Mary Poppins. I won't disappoint you. I swear every time a person walks into a movie house, they will see George Banks being saved. They will love him as kids. They will weep for his cares. They will wring their hands when he loses his job. And when he flies that kite, oh, Mrs. Travers, they will rejoice. They will sing. George Banks and all he stands for will be saved, maybe not in real life, but in imagination. Because that's what us storytellers do we restore order with imagination. We instill hope again and again and again. 
if Tomorrowland has any purpose, it's to restore hope and imagination and courage and possibilities again and again and again. Perhaps it seems like a fantasy world, Tomorrowland, but the messages are not. These, these are the ingredients of dreamers. And that's what Tomorrowland should be. That's what the people mover symbolizes to people like me. Keeping the people mover running and fresh is one of the great messages you can send to those who want hope. Now, again, sometimes expressives can be a little critical, so for, forgive me for this. Former Imagineering legend John Hench talks about everything speaks. Simply a piece of paper or trash on the ground is noticeable and out of place. When you have invested millions to taking your guests to another time and place with all of the details on Main Street in Adventureland and Fantasyland, well, a little piece of paper just disrupts that experience because everything speaks. That's the challenge with the people mover. The people mover is the parade into the future. Not having it run in Tomorrowland is to stop the parade. And still with it running, putting a nose cone in a seat, and you immediately have disrupted the parade. There should never be another nose cone in a people mover car. If you need a discreet symbol for cast members to recognize which cars to load in the train, find one. But don't use a nose cone. It sends the wrong message. Keeping the people mover fresh and alive and full of possibilities is one of the great messages you can send to those who want hope. The purpose of Tomorrowland is to restore hope and possibilities. The purpose of Tomorrowland, and indeed even the people mover, is to redeem those things that aren't right about the world we live in, but offer something greater on the horizon. Some of our Disney work podcasts hold free souvenirs that you could take back to your organization. So consider the following ideas. What has it meant to your customers to have your products and services available during COVID or other difficult times? What has it meant to your customers that you haven't been able to fully provide the products and services you offer? How do you tailor your products and services to appeal to the analytical where knowledge, insight, and understanding can be gleaned, to the driver where you can save individuals time and money and hassle, to the amiable where you can offer vehicles for building relationships, and to the expressive where you bring passion, story, meaning, and vision to your offerings. Finally, what messages or symbols do you send when your products or services are not operating or not operating completely. I want to end with this final note and I thank you for joining us. I often do a little thing about uh, about uh, our Patreon group, the Wayfinder Society. Please check it out if you have a chance. But rather than promote something, I want to end with this final, final message for this final story. When Billy Graham once strolled 
with Walt Disney through Disneyland. The evangelist congratulated Walt on having built such a marvelous garden of fantasy. Quote, This is the real world here, Walt sternly replied. The fantasy world is outside. Do you believe that? Can you believe that? If so, let's take a ride on the People Mover. And now, let's take a ride on the People Mover. Mm-hmm.